Welcome to episode 34 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and today I want to talk about three key resources you should be using in your Bible study. Let's dive in. Back in episodes 20, 21, and 22, we talked about three steps to help you in your Bible study. And again, just for the quick reminder, it's observation, interpretation, and application. But I get the question all the time, Nathan, what are some great resources that I could be using in my Bible study? Now, on the front end, let me make this disclaimer. You don't need resources. In fact, the Word of God is in itself sufficient. In other words, if all you have is the Word of God, you have enough for Bible study. If you recognize that you are filled with the author himself and the author wants to expound and expose and and reveal truth to you, then all you need is the text. And as the word of God in person who lives in your life via the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate the text of scripture, wow, he is going to give you insight. And you realize that for thousands of years, all they had was scripture itself. But we live in an amazing technological era. In fact, we have more access to the word of God unlike ever before. You don't need to know Hebrew or Greek or Latin, and yet you can actually use original language tools to help you dive deeper into the word of God. The time we live in is unprecedented. It is amazing. And yet what's interesting is though we have greater access to the word of God unlike ever before, it seems like we're slowly heading back into the middle ages or the dark ages in terms of, in terms of our understanding of God's word. In other words, most people don't understand God's word anymore. They don't read it. They don't study it. They don't, they don't recognize what they have in front of them. And yet there are tools that allow you to go deeper. So here's my, again, here's my disclaimer. All you need is the word of God. And yet if you have access to resources, why don't you use those? Now, in next week's episode, we're going to talk about some three ways or three avenues through which you can use these kind of resources, and I'm going to talk about some different online resources and computer programs and and books. But today, I want to give you three key resources that's going to help you dive deeper into the text itself. Now, there's a lot of different resources that we could walk through, and in a future episode, we'll talk about some of those. But I just want to give you the three key ones. In other words, if you can only use three resources outside of Scripture itself, what three resources would I recommend? So here we go. Number one, a good concordance. Now, if you flip it open to the back of your Bible, most Bibles nowadays have a concordance. Now, it's that thing in the back that kind of shows some references. For example, let's say I want to look at the word faith, and it's going to show me, oh, here are some passages in Scripture where the word faith shows up. Now, what's great about that is that it's a quick reference in the back of your Bible. So, you know, as you're on the road or as you're, you know, in the middle of church or something and a thought pops in your your mind, you can quickly flip to the back of your Bible and see if it's there. Now, here's the problem with a concordance in the back of your Bible. It's not a complete concordance. In other words, what they're choosing is, well, these are the most likely verses you're probably looking for. But you realize that if you were to turn into the back of the Bible and it looked at faith, it doesn't have every single passage where the word faith shows up. So I would recommend that you get a good exhaustive concordance. Now, an exhaustive concordance is like a Strong's or a uh, Young's exhaustive concordance. And what these are is every reference for a particular word, it tells you where it's located. 
Now, do recognize that these are translation-specific. In other words, they have one just for the King James or the New King James or New American Standard or the NIV. You know, obviously, you'd want to get the concordance that matches whatever translation that you study from. So let's say I want to look up the word love, and I want to look up every reference where the word love shows up. So I would open up my exhaustive concordance, and I would say, wow, there's a lot of passages in the Bible about love. Now, do recognize that it's using the English word. Now, if you know Greek, you understand that there's four different Greek words for the word love. Now, there are some concordances that will kind of break it up and tell you the difference of like, okay, here's agape, here's phileo, you know, here's eros and that kind of thing. But just recognize that if you're going to use a concordance, it's typically the English word and it's not giving you access to the original language, but it's a great help as you're studying the Bible. And here's why. Let's say I'm studying a passage, hypothetically, let's say I'm studying Ephesians. <laughs> and as I'm studying Ephesians, I come across the word adoption. And I say, wow, I want to know where is this word adoption, you know, where does it show up in the rest of scripture? Now, primarily, I want to look up where it is, how does Paul use this word? So what are the writings of Paul, you know, has this word adoption? But then in the rest of scripture, where is this idea of adoption show up? Because that's going to give me some context and it's going to give me some insight into how this word is used. So what I would do is I would open up a concordance. I would read all the passages that have the word adoption and figure, okay, what's the context? What's the nuances of each of these passages? And how does that help me understand my particular passage here in Ephesians chapter one? So a concordance, the reason it's very helpful is that as you're walking through scripture, you can see where particular words or phrases are used all throughout scripture. It is a great, great tool in your Bible study. Now, a second great Bible reference tool that I would highly encourage you to use is a good cross-reference system. Now, some Bibles have it as like a middle column in the middle of your page, or sometimes it's at the end of each of the, uh, uh, the, end of the verses, or it's at the very bottom of your text. But a good cross-reference system, what it does is, as I'm walking through scripture, as I'm reading or studying a particular phrase or a particular word, it says, hey, let me tell you where some other places where this idea or this thought or this concept or this word shows up. Now, it's similar to what we're just talking about in terms of a concordance, but it's a little bit different. A cross-reference has more of a thematic, a topical or a concept associated with it, not so much a particular word. So let me give you a quick example. I just mentioned this idea of the word adoption in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. And in my Bible, if I, if I open up to Ephesians 1, 5, it says that there are two cross-references. One is for John 1, 12, and the other one is Romans 8, 29. So when I look at this idea of adoption, that, that God has like adopted us as a son or, a or, or as a daughter by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, my Bible says, well, hey, why don't you check out John chapter 1, verse 12? And this is what that says. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Now, in my Bible, John chapter 1, verse 12 has another cross-reference cross for 1 John 3, 1. And so I literally, I could just follow this through and find a whole bunch of different kind of threads woven throughout Scripture. And again, in Ephesians 1, 5, this idea of adoption, my Bible also says, hey, check out Romans 8, 29. And so if I turn over to Romans 8, 29, this is what it says. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So again, it has this idea of adoption. Now, it doesn't use the word adoption, but it contains that concept, that thought, or that, that theme. 
So a good cross-reference system is what it's going to do is it's going to give you threads all throughout scripture to say, hey, see this concept? Why don't you check out this passage over here? Oh, see this nugget over here? Oh, hey, here's a great passage over here that has a similar idea. Now, let me just kind of give you a concern. I don't know if you've ever done this, but you've looked up a cross-reference and you've gone, what on earth does that have to do at all with my passage? So recognize that it's pulling things based on an algorithm sometimes more than someone actually sitting down thinking through it. Now, if you're going to find a resource for cross-reference, probably the best one I've ever found is the Treasury of Scriptural Knowledge. Now, you can find this for free online, but what it does is you enter your passage and it literally takes some, several of the key words or several of the key concepts and it gives you several passages in Scripture that has that same idea. Let me give you probably my all-time favorite cross-reference system. So if you're going to have only one cross-reference system, now the Treasury of Scriptural Knowledge is great. I highly recommend it. But if you want only one, here's my all-time favorite. You ready? Write this down. The best cross-reference system is the one that you create. Here's something I would encourage you to do. For the rest of your life, begin to make your own cross-reference system. That as you're reading through the Bible and you come across this idea and you're like, wow, that reminds me of this passage. Well, why don't you write down on that passage the passage it reminds you of? And then why don't you flip to the other passage and write the one you just read? And see, what you're doing is you're beginning to build your own cross-reference system. In fact, if you were to open up my Bible, what you would notice is that over and over throughout all these pages is you'd have these little reference marks of, you know, hey, check out this passage or, hey, this reminds me of this idea. Or, and and what, what's, what's amazing about that is as I'm reading through Scripture over and over and over again, God just continually opens up my, my, my mind. He just gives me wisdom and insight and knowledge of, wow, see this, see this picture in the Old Testament? That is a great illustration of this New Testament truth. And so I would go to the New Testament passage and write down that Old Testament, you know, the, the, the passage from the Old Testament. And then I turn to the Old Testament passage and write down the New Testament reference. And what I'm doing is I'm like building my own cross-reference system. And wouldn't it be an amazing gift to your children or your great-grandchildren to leave them a your cross-reference system in your Bible? You're just like, wow, look at what God gave me insight on and and it wasn't just something that someone put in some algorithm. This is God was giving me insight as I read and as I studied. And literally he gave me insight or he gave me this, these tie-ins, these threads woven all throughout scripture. Well, let me just give you the third Bible study reference tool that I think is just great and you should include. So number one, again, was a good concordance. Number two is a cross-reference system. And number three is a good Bible dictionary. Now, you recognize that a dictionary, in, let's say a Webster's, you know, I, I have this word. I want to know what the word means. So I open up the Webster's and it says, oh, here's what the word means. Well, a Bible dictionary is very similar, except it only contains words found in the Bible. The reason this is really helpful is as you're walking through scripture and you come across a word or a place or an idea or a, wow, I wonder what that actually means. You can open up a Bible dictionary and it's going to give you insight. It's going to say, hey, here, here's some ideas of where this shows up, or, you know, here's a concept, or let, let me flesh this out a little bit for you. Now, there's some great ones out there. For example, Smith's or Nelson's or Easton's or Holman's or New Unger's. Uh, those are all just really good, simple Bible dictionaries. And if you go down to the Bible bookstore, you could probably find them for about $15 or so. Now, you don't need to buy one because there are a whole bunch of these online for free, but I would encourage you to begin to use a Bible dictionary in your study. And yes, you may understand what this particular word means. 
you know, you may understand what propitiation means or, or what glorification means or what adoption means. But why don't you look up those words in a Bible dictionary and say, is there anything else that I'm missing that I, you know, I, I have my paradigm or my, my perspective of what this idea is or what this word means, but what is, what does this mean in terms of all of scripture? And that's what a good Bible dictionary is going to do for you. Now, there are some particular Bible dictionaries that I think are just outstanding. Um, there's a, the publisher is IVP and they have these dictionaries called dictionary of Jesus and the gospel or dictionary of Paul and his letters. And they're basically articles walking through all the key words and concepts found, say, in the Gospels or in Paul's writings. Now, they're a little expensive. And so if you can find one used, I really like these. But what it's going to do is it gives you, it's basically an expanded Bible dictionary where it's giving you articles and thoughts of saying, let's let's take this concept or take this word and break it down in all of Scripture or in all the Gospels or in all of Paul's letters. And they're a great tool as you're studying because it gives you greater insight and depth uh, in in, in the text itself. So those are three simple tools that I would highly encourage you to use as you're studying the Bible. Now, in a future episode, we'll talk about some other great tools that you can use. But again, if you can only choose three, I would encourage you to have a good concordance, a good cross-reference system. Again, you can use treasury of scriptural knowledge, but I would, I would encourage you to begin to make your own. And then third, a good Bible dictionary. Now, again, you don't need reference tools. You need the word of God itself. In fact, all you need is scripture and the and the Holy Spirit illuminating the word of God in your life. However, again, as I said at the beginning, because we live in such an amazing technological era, why don't you use the tools that are really free and available to you? So again, a good concordance, a good cross-reference system, and a good Bible dictionary. These are going to help you study the word of God and it's going to allow the Holy Spirit to give you greater insight, depth, and understanding in what the word of God is saying. Well, I'm very excited for this week's Bravehearted Voices segment. I'm going to play you a clip from one of my, probably one of my all-time favorite sermons. It's at least in my top 10. It's a sermon called Good Snakes Turn Bad, and it's preached by Hayden Robinson. So I'm just going to play the first portion of the sermon. It's a great sermon. I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. But let's listen in to Hayden Robinson's sermon, Good Snakes Turn Bad. I believe in what I know of you that many of you, most of you, are prejudiced. I know you don't like that. You become defensive, but it's true. Most of you, all of you, are prejudiced against snakes. You don't like snakes. If a swarm of snakes moved into the vacant lot in your neighborhood, you'd be upset. You'd be sure they're going to lower the property value. Or if your daughter brought a snake home for dinner, everybody at the table would be a bit uneasy. No, you are prejudiced against snakes. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, there are about 2,400 different varieties of snakes wiggling around the planet. Most snakes are good snakes. Snakes kill rodents. If it weren't for snakes, you'd be up to your kneecaps and rats and mice. But you don't think about that, do you? No, when you think about snakes, you think about rattlesnakes or cobras, water moccasins, pythons. 
what you do is to let a few bad snakes give all the good snakes a bad name. <laughs> and that is prejudice. I will give you this, though. There are some very dangerous snakes. In fact, one of the most dangerous snakes I know is a good snake that's turned bad. We've had to deal with good snakes turned bad for 2,500 years. In fact, a young king by the name of Hezekiah had to deal with a good snake turned bad. Hezekiah came to the throne of Judah when he was 25 years of age. Wasn't a boomer, wasn't a buster, he was not even a revolutionary. And like many young people, he was fed up with the setup. And the setup in Judah wasn't very good. Militarily, the nation was a joke. Its armies could not protect its cities. Economically, the nation was broke. Because of a failed political policy of paying off invaders, the coffers of the nation were empty. And morally and spiritually, the nation was a cesspool. And Hezekiah came to the throne of uh, Israel, this 25-year-old. And under his leadership, there came the greatest revival that Judah had ever experienced. Whenever you have a revival, either in the Bible or outside the Bible, there are three things that are present. Maybe more than this, but not less than this. Isn't that a great clip? I would encourage you to listen to the entire sermon. It's actually really pressing and rather convicting. If you want to know where you can listen to that, as well as get other Bible study resources that we've talked about earlier, as well as my recommendations for the concordance and cross-reference system and Bible dictionaries, check out the show notes for this episode. Go to deeperchristian.com forward slash 34 for episode number 34. It's about halfway down on the page. I have my recommendations as well as a link to Hayden Robbins' sermon, Good Snakes Turn Bad. And if you've enjoyed the podcast this far, would you do me a big favor and leave a rating and review on iTunes? It's actually a huge blessing as iTunes uses these star ratings and reviews as a way to get the podcast in front of other people. So if you think others should hear this podcast, would you just take about 30 seconds and go to the ratings and review section of this podcast on iTunes? And if you want a direct link at the very bottom of the show notes, there's a link directly to that page. Again, that's deeperchristian.com forward slash 34. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. Next week, we're going to talk about three different avenues of resources that you can use as you dive deeper into your Bible study. So until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.